0: This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Tiongson.
1: And a good,
2: good day to everyone out there listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever podcasting platform you're listening to. Welcome to another edition of the Podium Finish Live. I'm your host, Rob Tiongson, and I'm joined alongside, as always, my friend and co-host, Nathan Solomon a fellow motorsports journalist just like me. We're so glad that you can join us for this edition of TPF Live. It's episode number 63, folks. At 63, which means that the number of episodes to get to number 100 is the same age number that I'm at right now as of this recording. If you don't know what that is, I, I really apologize for your lack of arithmetic skills. But uh, anyways, folks, we're back after an exciting, riveting weekend at Circuit of the Americas, or technically NASCAR or because of course, SMI, you know, Texas Motor Speedway basically rented out that track this past weekend uh, from Bobby Epstein and his staff. So kudos to SMI, Texas Motor Speedway, again, for an amazing time. Um, before we get into all of the fun and glory on the show, I do want to give some props and shout outs to the entire uh, Coda staff, uh, Mike Zizzo, uh, Shannon Stevens, you guys were so amazing to us. Thank you so much for making our coverage so splendid, so smooth. Like I can't say enough how it's it takes a village to do all the content that we do on TPF, whether it's remotely or at the track. Um, And our jobs are much easier when we have good people who make sure we get everything we need. So thanks to them. And of course, to the NASCAR media staff team of Steph Harris, along with Alyssa Cortina and Mike Ford. Thank you all very much. And I know that my team and I look forward to working with you and the rest of the NASCAR media staff team for the rest of the season and beyond, of course. Um, Also, too, I have a lot of great interview clips that I can't wait to share with you guys and girls these next several weeks. And if you haven't been following my Twitter, I really hope you do now because uh, there was a lot of things that were going on at Circuit of the Americas that I think certain outlets, uh, bigger podcasts than ours, kind of took notice of. Um, I guess shout out indirectly to uh, um, a certain podcast that's managed by Dale Jr.'s Dirty Mo Posse group because they referenced an interview that I did with a certain driver who finished second place in Sunday's race. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. And also, too, um, besides the fact that Toyota finally got into victory lane this season, how about the fact that we had two F1 world champion drivers and Kimi Raikkonen and Jensen Button here in Austin racing against each other, not in F1 cars, but in stock cars. I, I, I cannot even compute that thought still. It's like... <laughs> Uh, for me as a motorsports enthusiast so can't wait to t- you know chime in on that with Nathan and uh, we might hear from Kimmy never thought I'd say this Kimmy Rykiden's audio clip on TPF live let that sink in for you folks just let that sink in i know i haven't i'm still pretty happy about it so it, like i said if you can tell i'm smiling after being at Coda well i don't apologize i had a great time and I think next week, especially after this show, you folks at home are going to want to tune in to episode 64. It's going to be so special. Um, The only hint I'm going to give to you guys is the fact that 13-year-old me came up with questions for the, the guests that will be on this podcast next week. So for those who know me, as we say in the industry, if you know, you know. So, I'll leave it at that. I know Nathan already knows. I know most of the TPF team knows, but uh, the rest of you folks, just send me your guesses on that one. Anyways, before we get into Coda, before you bring in our sponsor, uh, spoiler diecast.com, why don't we bring in Nathan, who is back? And I know it's a less crowded house. I think we had as many co hosts as Fox had commentators last weekend. <laughs> so, Nathan, I know it's back to the old uh, two man booth here. How are you doing today?
3: I'm good. Oh, geez, excuse me. Um, yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, we did have a very crowded booth, very much like the Fox booth. but It was a a good booth for sure. Um, excited to hopefully ride the wave from from Coda as I'm off to, uh, to Richmond for my first race of the year. So definitely looking forward to uh, getting down to the action track here in just a couple of days.
2: Absolutely. You're going to have a great old time, I'm sure, because uh, it's going to be the first short track race really this year. We don't consider Phoenix as one. This is the first real pure short track race of the entire season. So I know for a fact that Richmond Raceway is looking forward to having all this action take place. And I know that Lori uh, Kolaran is really looking forward to having all of you guys at the racetrack. She's, of course, the new Richmond Raceway president. Um, And we certainly look forward to having uh, Lori welcome our team to the racetrack, so lots to get to, and I know you're excited. We're going to also have Trish McCormick joining you, and uh, Rich, uh, Mitchell Richmeyer also joining you as well. So going to be great. Uh, a few rookies, but hey, you were one last year, so you're uh, you you know the ropes really well as far as how to do uh, a, a great job in your debut season. So looking forward to having the, the youngsters out at Richmond, and of course at Texas. Yes. We're still still in the spotlight, folks. We're not going away just so easily. Um, As far as the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series and NTT IndyCar Series are concerned, they are here as well. Well, not in Austin, but up in what they call DFW, Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas Motor Speedway, the best intermediate track. Yes, the best intermediate track Uh, (laughs) around. Dylan Nadwadney will be our team captain, and we'll also have Aaron Brink who will be joining us. So, so many new faces, but I think we all are, so many people, one, one mission, one goal, to succeed. So I'm looking forward to it. So raise of the, if I had a glass, raise of the glass, shout out, of course, to Sean Folsom, John Arndt, Dylan Edwadney, and Cody Porter on their amazing efforts at CODA. There are so many photo- like photographs we have to compile through that I feel like we could just make a book out of what they did. It's incredible. And I'm sure that Nathan and his team are gonna have equally amazing stuff that's coming from Richmond and then know Dylan and Aaron are gonna work super hard over at DFW on that. So before we get into CODA and look ahead to Richmond, why don't we bring in our sponsor, spoiler.cast.com as we talk about why you should be shopping on that website right now. Hey, Race fans. Are you in the hunt for the latest and greatest in NASCAR collectibles from Lionel Racing? Or sprint cars from Acme Diecast? Head on over to SpoilerDiecast.com, they've got a lot of offerings that you cannot find anywhere else, as well as some hidden gems that you may have lost during your childhood. And if you spend $20 or more on in-stock items or pre-order items, you can save 5% off your order and get free shipping if you use promo code TPF. Recently, I bought myself about 5 diecast cars from the Lionel Racing Collection, and it was going to be about $50, but with my promo code of TPF, not only did I get free shipping, but I saved about $2.50. Pretty awesome I'd say, and my order arrived within 3 business days, which honestly, that's pretty fast given how you can wait around with snail mail all day long, but hey, Evan and team got it done, and I'm a pretty happy diecast collector right now, so... Head on over to spoilerdiecast.com and if you spend $20 or more on in stock items or pre-order items, use promo code TPF and you'll be in Victory Lane knowing that you save some money and look like a pretty awesome driver or car owner in your own right. Spoilerdiecast.com to be in Victory Lane right now with promo code TPF. That's right folks, again, use promo code TPF on spoilerdiecast.com. And if you spend twenty dollars or more, you will indeed get five percent off of your orders and free shipping. So you can't lose on this one. You're you're going to be winning with Evan's team making sure that if you have an in stock item you purchase, you're going to save some money. You're going to get that diecast car or apparel at your doorstep, and I sincerely hope you think of TPF along the way. Um, if not, well, I don't know what to tell you. Well, anyways, folks, don't do your shopping just yet bookmark that site, keep that code in hand, because right now we're gonna head into Podium Perspectives. Well, for our first topic here in Podium Perspectives, let, like I said earlier, let us sink in with the fact that we had a great number of rogue Course Warriors join us here in Austin from the likes of Connor Daly. We also had Jimmy Johnson, I guess you can call him a road course warrior. I mean, he, he was here again, so that was kind of cool. We also had uh, Jordan Taylor from IMSA, and we also had two F1 champions here, Jensen Button and Kimi Raikkonen. And we all watched intently as to what these drivers would do in the Gen 7 car. And it was a bit of a, bit of a, a mixed bag, if you will. I wouldn't say that it was because of, you know, not having the talent to get by, but a lot of craziness ensued. Now, namely, of course, Jimmy Johnson didn't even get a lap in at Coda. He was a victim of circumstances um, just before, you know, they got to turn 19 and turn 20. And his date was essentially over with just one hit. Um, And then, of course, Jordan Taylor was inside the top 10 and was sort of the victim of some hard racing and paint training that happened in one of those three or 5,000 overtime restarts that we had, which we'll get into that in a little bit. So it pretty much came down to the F1 champions. Which of those two would prevail? Would it be Button or Raikkonen? Well, it's not too much of a spoiler alert to reveal that Jensen Button prevailed in that battle, albeit It was, you know, a fact that Jensen Button was able to push through despite the less than ideal conditions in his number 15 car. Well, in Kimi Raikkonen's case, let's just say he was actually in position to potentially snooker a victory away from the cup teams and the regulars out there, if you will. But in those final 10 laps, Raikkonen's lack of experience in the cup car showed and he was sort of a victim of the paint trading. but he was able to extend his elbows out a little bit maybe just a little too much because he also had a 32nd penalty assessed to him after the race, which dropped him down to 29th place in the final rundown, the last driver on the lead lap. But unlike Watkins Glenn, Kimi did finish the race and I I thought he was a lot more competitive. If you don't consider the pitch strategies, the pit gambles, I would say he was going to get a top 20, top 15 finish at best. So what did the Iceman think about his second cup start? Does he want to come back to NASCAR? What was his overall impressions? Let's hear his thoughts from Sunday. Kimmy, it seems like you had a pretty good showing compared to the Walk-ins. Glenn, can you walk us through your afternoon?
4: Um, yeah, I think it was not too bad. I mean the car behaved most most of the times pretty nicely. Just um yeah, we got unlucky with two of the incidents that happened and uh You know, got taken out two times, but uh, it's one of those things, unfortunately. In the end, I just had no tyres left when it kept getting more restart, more restart. So uh, I think after the spin that I had, uh, the tyres were just done. But uh, yeah, it's a shame because none of we're there, but every restart, we just... uh, place, time.
2: What did you think of, though, the fact that you were able to be in the top five towards the end, where you're starting to think, hey, maybe I have a chance here to get a win like I did in
4: 2018. No, no, I mean, not really. I mean, uh, the to cars, we had more, more new tires, and, uh, you know, um, it was a case of try to stay out of the issues in the first corners, and every time you really look like you are very good, and then three corners later, somebody's... We are going wrong direction so it's a bit the mess and luck uh, involved, and uh, we just got a bad, bad, uh, bad hand there. But that's how it is.
1: For sure.
2: Let me ask you I know it's kind of premature to ask, probably, but do you see yourself doing more starts in the NASCAR? Because it seems like you're, you're at home here, aren't you?
4: Um, I don't know. I mean, nobody knows. But uh, yeah, it's just a shame how it went in the end. But uh, yeah, I think we did the right thing were so right there, but then we start uh, how it was, and uh, we'll see what the future brings. Um, right now, I am not good.
2: What message do you want to say to the fans and finish about your race today?
4: Um, I don't know. <laughs> you know, the long race, No, uh, you know, our cool suit didn't work. Half of the races stopped working, so it was quite hot, hot in the car, but, uh, yeah, it was fun, uh, apart from a few, few occasions when uh, and uh, it was a bit
2: uh, nonsense in, in the race task but uh, that's it So, Nathan, I mean, you got to see Kimmy up close and personal. I'm sure you saw the media throngs that were there for him and um, all the publicity that surrounded him at Watkins Glen. And, heck, he was in the top 10 as well in that race before he got taken out by Ross Chastain in the bus stop or the interloop area. This time around this past Sunday, Kimmy almost had a chance to win the race, albeit through pit strategy, but... Uh, It seemed like he was on pace to have at least a top 20 finish. Uh, Do you foresee the Iceman coming back? And uh, I know you don't watch a lot of F1, but what did you think of his performance at Coda?
3: Yeah, I mean, he he definitely wasn't doing bad. He was was up in the mix for sure. Um, You know, that pit strategy definitely helped him out, I think, with about, oh, I want to say eight to go, ten to go, somewhere in that range. Uh, basically everybody pitted and he stayed out along with just a handful of others. I think he restarted like fourth or something. Um, Obviously a bunch of cautions there. He kind of just kept slowly dropping back. And then you mentioned the penalty there at the end. Um, You know, ended up finishing 29th in, in the last car in the lead lap. But um, I think definitely a bit more competitive than the last time he was in the car at Watkins Glen obviously circuit of the americas is a course he's familiar with a a, a track that he has won at in in the f1 ranks um obviously the sight lines are a little bit different the braking points acceleration points the timing of everything is, is so much different because the the next gen cars are slower than the f1 cars but um you know i think that familiarity though kind of on both sides definitely helped him uh jensen button i know obviously had you know some overheating problems. I don't know if his like cool suit, I think his cool suit wasn't functioning properly or or something along those lines, but um, obviously he persevered ended up finishing above Raikkonen. And then Jordan Taylor, I mean, he was really fast all weekend, um, you know, qualified in the top 10, uh, I think top five, actually. I mean, just uh, kind of almost a little bit of a surprising run to see him there. Um, Obviously kind of got beat up a little bit in the race, took a few, uh, I guess, punches in the mouth, if you will, uh, from, from other cars, but um, I think all three of them were, were very surprised just on how much like contact driven like NASCAR is versus like if you touch anybody in F1 or like IMSA, uh, that's typically a penalty. So, definitely a, a different style of racing, but it kind of going back full circle here. And in terms of Raikkonen, will we see him again? I think we do. I, I think we, he, he'll do a few more starts in, in the NASCAR ranks. I mean, obviously, um, well, when I think we asked him that same question at Watkins Glen, he's like, Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, comes back the next time the Project 91 car is on track. So I uh, wouldn't surprise if he's back at Watkins Glen again. Obviously a, a historic track there, a track that F1 used to race at well before his time. But um, I think we will see new drivers in the Project 91 car. Uh, my guess is maybe Sonoma, a place like that. Maybe you can see like another IMSA guy in there, but I think once we get to some of the more historic road courses over the summer, maybe we could see, uh, see a couple of other F1 guys step in, but definitely cool to see them in the field and definitely added another big storyline into Sunday's race.
2: I would say it was definitely one of the biggest storylines into Sunday's race. And in a way it kind of cushioned the blow of not having Chase Elliott race on Sunday, because, Of course, I would say Chase Elliott is the biggest superstar NASCAR Cup Series competition. And he did appear in Sunday's race, just in Vail, Colorado for the telecast in that large booth that we talked about at the top of the show. But, you know, it certainly doesn't hurt to have Kimmy, Riken and Jensen Button racing in these cars and Jordan Taylor, too. I was really impressed with how he took to the cup car and Obviously, he, he showed some of his lack of experience in the cars. He, he was right that, you know, the start of the race and the restarts were going to be an issue for him. And he certainly looked a little bit timid on those. But honestly, he was able to pick up and get the nuances of the car really well. He nailed his pit stops, I thought, pretty well, too. So I was really, I was really impressed by these road course ringers and seeing a little bit of their experiences and just how refreshing it was for them and Jordan of course it's no secret that he's wanted to compete in the NASCAR series uh whether it's a Trinity or Cup and he finally got to fulfill that so hopefully not because of an injury to another driver maybe Jordan will be back out there and uh having his own ride with his name on the uh, the windshield and or maybe Rodney Sandstorm's name on it uh, to say the least and Kimi Raikkonen um yeah he's a lot of folks give him a lot of flack for not speaking a lot, saying a few words that I found, you know, he's pretty insightful. And as long as you ask him an intelligent question or just talk to him like a normal human being, he'll give you what you want. So there's no secret really to how I got those answers from him. But I was pleased. And I do want to say thank you, Formula uh, for actually referencing the Kimi quote to us. Um, That's a big thing in journalism is to reference the source of a quote or uh, content. So heads up uh, you know, to Liberty Media to doing that uh, for us. And we appreciate that for sure. Let's get to our second topic, which I think is a really spicy one as uh, Jasmine Sharp will often say, spicy topic, uh, because, uh, well, Tyler Reddick again, we'll talk about him very really shortly, but I think it's worth noting that um, we had quite a few heated tempers at CODA uh, I'm surprised I didn't catch it, mostly because of the fact that I was kind of a bit further away from the the scene of the situation um, with, uh, you know, Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain versus uh, Alex Bowman. Those three Chevrolet drivers, I have no idea what happened there. But there's a fourth Chevrolet driver who was, uh, I wouldn't say upset. He was not afraid to make, not make an example, he was not afraid to basically reference him in, in the bullpen. Uh, now, Kyle Bush in recent weeks has basically observed that there has been, um, I guess you could say, a, a wide endemic issue of drivers not respecting each other anymore in NASCAR Cup Series competition. I asked him as much on, after Saturday's race at the Truck Series race, you know, was he going to do anything about that? And he flat out said no. But hey, it was pretty raw uh, Kyle Bush honesty that we got. But on Sunday, you know, I was really more curious about uh, the fact that William Byron took the outside lane in row one and one of those three overtime restarts, which honestly boggled my mind because I, I figured William would have wanted to go to third place and then dive bomb um, Riddick for one of those restarts and possibly take the win from him that way. But when William Byron took the outside of row one, Kyle Busch capitalized on that, restarted third. And I, I kind of think that was the key to him finishing in second along with the pitch strategy call by crew chief Randall Burnett. First, before we hear from Nathan, let's hear Kyle Bush's thoughts in the bullpen after the race and try to see who he was talking about um, in his final response about that restart situation and, while, you know, respecting drivers. we got a to runner-up today and a rather interestingly unusual finish, wouldn't you say?
5: Uh, Not really. No, I mean, once you get one caution, you're going to get a slew of cautions, So that was pretty much expected. But, um, you know, we had a good day. It was really – I just didn't know how it was going to shake out with all of our pit strategy stuff. You know, we were always the first ones on pit road. But um, for some reason, we had really good long run speed when we tested here. And today we just didn't didn't have enough long run speed. I felt like we had good middle run speed. um, But we were just burning up the brakes and tires and everything. So we had to get tires earlier than most –
2: were you a bit shocked that William Byron didn't take the inside line to go to third and you were like, hey, I'll take the position for you?
5: Um, yes and no. I mean, you can't – it's hard to give up a front-row start, you know, but um, when I took third and I got second and then I took third and I got second again, I was like, "I there's there's no sense in me going to the outside and getting pushed out in the gravel and all that stuff over there, so um, – you know, If that area was paved and everything where the grass is, then you, you could take the outside because you'd have a hell of a lot more runoff and opportunity to work your way back to the track. But with the way everything shakes out over there, you gotta be inside.
1: For sure, I mean, and it, how much if
2: winning at Fontana allowed you to have this option versus if you hadn't had the wind and trying to be a little bit careful about getting this finish here?
5: Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing was just, I, I got alongside Redick there on that one restart into the S's and I could have forced the issue and pushed them off or whatever. But uh, we ran each other hard. We ran each other clean and gave each other room. So um, I, I, I respect the kid. and He's been nothing but great to me. So I, I give him respect back. And so we, we've had some good races between each other. They were really fast. I mean, they deserve to win. There's no sense in, in taking it from them. Um, somebody else that doesn't know anything about clean over here.
2: Now, Bush certainly is the kind of person that if you race him a certain way, he remembers that. And it's evident that he and Tyler Reddick gave each other the room. They raced each other hard and, you know, pretty aggressively. But, you know, when it came to exercising their best Sunday behavior and etiquette in a uh, precarious situation, I think it's fair to say that both drivers observed that fine line and didn't cross each other. Um, But he certainly, uh, Nathan, he certainly did not make it shy that he was not too pleased with, uh, with Ross Chastain. In your, per- your opinion, was Kyle Bush kind of right to basically call out Ross Chastain in that matter, or are fans right in, you know, he's being a hypocrite about the situation?
3: Um, I mean, I think he kind of just called out Ross Chastain in that situation just because Ross was right there. And I mean, yeah, he's certainly made some uh, questionable decisions in the past because, you know, Ross doesn't race with the most respect in the world, I guess it's is, is the nicest way to put it. Um, he, he He's not afraid to get what he wants. And if he's going to get past the guy, he'll do anything possible to get past him. Uh, I don't think like Kyle's out of line for those comments because I mean, you know, you saw the end of the race I mean the end of the race was, was extremely chaotic. I mean, the last, Essentially, NASCAR overtime took an hour, um, took three attempts, a couple of cautions right before that, too. They couldn't go more than a few laps. I mean, um, guys are just piling in six, seven deep and into turn one, and it was just not sticking, and it's not going to stick when it's that deep. Um, I don't really know what they can do about it because, you know, these these guys, the younger and younger that they get, um, they're just going to race, I guess, more and more carelessly. Uh, so I, I don't know how NASCAR polices it. Like, I don't want to say – all right, we need to take away double file restarts because I think that'd be a way w- where they could get it so it's not seven deep and everybody's wrecking each other. That guy can actually have a little bit of space, or they're going to have to say, All right, we're going to have to police this a little bit more, almost like they do in F1 or IMSA and say, All right, if this just you can't hit each other, or we're going to we're going to issue penalties. I, I mean, I'd hate for either to have to happen because I I like that there's some contact, I like that they, they go double file, but um. You know, it, it can't take an hour to, to do NASCAR over time because they keep just keep wrecking. So, I mean, I, I don't think Kyle's wrong at all. Um, I mean, I think it, it, you know, you look at turn one, lap one, I mean, they got through there completely clean. You know that they're capable of doing it, they just don't do it, they just race um too frantically and, and too aggressive at, at the end of some of those races so i think nascar just has to police things a little bit better i mean again i don't you know i i don't run the sport i'm I, i'm not the series director i don't know how you necessarily do that but um there needs to be a little bit more accountability at the end of those races because we saw very similar situations at like Indy road course last year or you know even guys push, you know, cause like that turn one's like a 90 degree. And then even place like Watkins Glen, that turn one's a 90 degree turn. So a lot of these road courses, turn one is like a, a, a 90 degree turn that you can really fan out and um, shove each other around and, and it can be low speed too. So it's easier to hit. So um, NASCAR has got to police better, but no, Kyle Busch is not wrong. There's just a, a lack of, well, there, there is a carelessness rather uh, in, in some of those closing laps and it, it's just not good for the sport. I mean, I think that, uh, all things considered, it was a good race, but the ending of that race really kind of dampened what was uh, arguably the best race of the season.
2: Hands down, it was not because I live here in the area, but it was, it was great. I love the fact that we didn't have those stage break cautions, which I think brought back the, the fact that drivers and teams could be a little bit more aggressive and not go, hmm, you know, it's two laps in the, in the last, you know, these last two laps in the stage, we got to pit because I want to maximize my track position before stage three we didn't have any of that it looked a lot more like what we knew pre-2016 but unfortunately like you said Nathan we saw some of that courtesy not even courtesy we saw some of that professionalism that you know the drivers are able to get through turn one without any incidents and it turned into (laughs) it turned into a demolition derby um I do think we have to have some kind of moderation of officiating to make sure that, you know, we could still have some hard racing, but enough of the circus acts that, you know, prolong that finish because we were reaching the two and a half hour mark, I think within the last 10 laps, it's no joke that it took about an hour to get to the end of the last 10 laps. I mean, it was like an NBA playoff game. You know, you're in the last minute and it takes basically an hour to get that last minute in because of fouls, you know um, you know, free throws, TV timeouts, what have you, it was, it was pretty long. Now I love being at the racetrack as long as I can, but I don't think we meant it to be that way because <laughs> it was, it was getting there. Um, and not to sound like a fan who asked Bob his, uh questions about if there's lights, but I'm pretty sure we don't have the lights to have a nighttime race for a cup race at that track. I, I, I could be wrong. So I stand corrected if I am, but the point being is we don't want a road course race to take three and a half hours to complete. That's just way too long. It's kind of funny because Nathan and I were a little worried that when they eliminated the stage break cautions, we were like, man, this means road course races are going to be so short, maybe just under two hours. Um, no, not for this one. This one took a little bit of time um, to get through and, and resolve. And for Tyler Reddick, that was such a maddening situation for him. And in fact, that doesn't segue into our next topic because Reddick was the winner on Sunday's race and arguably, I, I would say, aside from William Byron, Reddick was the best driver in that race. And it's not like a shocker to see him win, because let's consider the fact that uh, he won, you know, his first cup races on road courses. He won the, the cup race at road, uh, road America. May she come back at some point down the road. He won the road course race at Indianapolis Uh, I will share my thoughts about that whole road course versus speedway thing later this summer. Um, And, you know, seriously, I don't think it's any shocker to know that Reddick was a contender uh, for Sunday's Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix at Coda. It was just a matter of could he carry over some of that success from the Chevrolet camp over to Toyota, because admittedly, the Chevrolet teams have been pretty strong to start off the season and the Ford camp has not been too far off on that, especially at super speedway. So where did that put Toyota? Where does that you know, line them up against their OEM rivals? I say that Tyler Reddick has been a fine example that they're still pretty competitive. And after two rough races to begin the season, Reddick got a top 15 at Las Vegas. He's gotten a bunch of top 10 since then. Um, and on Sunday, he started second. And honestly, he was just untouchable. It took It, it would take A dirty move, if any, to basically knock him out of the way. And I really respected the fact that, you know, those whoever those drivers who challenged Reddick for the lead, they didn't resort to any of that. We didn't see the same finish from last year where, you know, it could have been Almendinger or Bowman and then took a a little punt by Ross Chastain to win his first cup race at CODA and ever in his career. So, what did Tyler Reddick think about? having to go back to back restarts and try to hold off the field on those, um, for the victory was it tough for him. And, you know, how special is his victory to him? Let's get his thoughts from the press conference that, um, you know, that followed after the race and hear his response to my question.
1: Um, uh, yeah, just, just got to remove emotion from your thought. Um, if you're, you're, you're being emotional in a moment um you can't you can't have the mental clarity to get the job done just have to remove all that from your brain Um, as much as yes it can be frustrating to have caution after caution and you know man i almost made it back to start finish line and it didn't go our way you just just have to remove all that from your from your brain it's done and over with and you got to reset and be ready to go uh for the next restart because everybody behind you is you know grinding their teeth and doing everything they can to get a uh, an edge on you uh you know you can't can't be feeling bad for yourself. You have to get back to work and execute and just do it again. Go in the back and then up in the middle here.
2: As of Wednesday afternoon, March 29, the National Motorsports Appeals Panel made a decision to uphold the crew suspensions and the monetary fines levied against Hendrick Motorsports following the race at Phoenix Raceway, the United Rentals Working United 500K. However, the board decided to rescind the 100 points penalties against Kyle Larson, William Byron, and Alex Bowman. Therefore, they have restored their points positions, in which Alex Bowman is now the points leader, William Byron is now third, and Kyle Larson will rank now in ninth heading into Richmond. Nathan and I will talk more about this on episode 64 of TPF Live. You know that Reddick has gone from the basement and he's almost into the attic at the house of NASCAR cup series racing you know how impressed were you by reddick's command of Poda and overall just being able to you know hold off the field so many times not just from a driver's like the you know the physical standpoint from, but from a mental standpoint
3: yeah for sure i mean tyler reddick kind of got off to like a really weird start this season like he was like He had just had had really bad luck in the first three races, but then all of a sudden has put together a couple of consistent finishes, including a win. And um, he's quickly shown that he's one of the best road course racers in NASCAR. I mean, this was his fourth uh, victory in the Cup Series, and three of them have now been on road courses. You know, his first coming at uh, Road America last summer, and then Indy Road Course, and then now, of course, um, you know, here at COTA. So a lot of credit to him, uh, you know, going – Obviously making that that leap of faith to 2311, you know, supposed to have done it in 2024, but obviously the, the buyout situation uh, for a while almost looked a little shaky. Like, oh, man, Tyler Reddick might not have a ride, period, in, in, in 2023. Uh, fortunately for him, that kind of got sorted out. Unfortunately, um, kind of... Um, you know Kurt Busch on 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 the opposite end of it with with his concussion um you know not the way that Reddick wanted to go into 2311 a year early but uh you know he's taken advantage of it so far now locked into the playoffs and uh that car has a lot of speed and Tyler Reddick's certainly one of the most in um talented and in best racers right now in the cup series and, and then a lot of credit to- to him on how he handled uh, the end of that race on Sunday. You know, he definitely had the best car. William Byron probably had the second best car. I mean, those two cars were were really the class of the field all day. But, um, you know, so many late restarts, and every single time Tyler Reddick was able to get up to a great launch and just drive away really pretty much uncontested or, or, you know, nobody else was really truly in the mix of of getting there unless they absolutely, like, wiped them out. Like, I think Kyle Busch said, oh, I could have probably wiped them out um and, and maybe won the race that way but you know he didn't he obviously didn't want to do that and he didn't want to leave that impression on the rest of the field so um a lot of credit for to tyler reddick for kind of turning around that uh tough star those first few races and, and now he, he's in really good shape going um going through the rest of the regular season he can just focus on you know earning more points getting stage points getting playoff points uh the things that'll help him make a deep run to the playoffs
2: for sure. I mean, Reddick has showcased that he's able to, you know, he was able to get through a lame duck situation at RCR. He was able to overcome this tough start. Um, and Daytona and Montana were not of his doing for sure. And now he and Crew Chief Billy Scott are showcasing why Danny Hamlin and uh, 2311 were so huge on getting Reddick. Now, of course, we know that Reddick didn't want to get that ride because of what happened to Kurt Bush, but... Uh, we heard Kurt Bush in the booth how emotional he was getting on that final lap, but it was so special to see, you know, how supportive he's been of Tyler Reddick driving the number forty-five car. And I think Reddick is definitely a worthy successor for now on that, until you know Kurt Bush comes back on a part-time basis. Uh, to which I don't know what's going to happen with that situation with twenty twenty-three eleven, but um, Reddick is making the maximum, the most out of his situation. And I admire him for his tenacity, his focus, and the fact that he's so adaptable to changes where it may be a fearful element for some. So congratulations, of course, to Tyler, uh, Billy Scott, and the entire number 45 Monster Energy Toyota Camry team on their victory um, for the first of several for this season, which I will make a bold prediction before we get to our final topic, that I sincerely think they're going to be the leading Toyota team in terms of victories. That's no slam to Martin Tricks Jr., Danny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, uh, and Bubba Wallace. But I sincerely think that the best Toyota driver, bar none, for right now and in the long term, until someone else comes along, Tyler Reddick is your guy. So, Toyota Racing, you've got yourself a very formidable contender to go against the Chevrolets from Hendrick, the Fords from Team Penske. Um, the list goes on and on. This is this kid is sensational and i can say that because he was born in 1996 and anybody who makes me feel pretty old is a kid to me so and and we're both the same height so sorry i had to throw that in there tyler because we're both such giant people i would say now before we get into the hot seat of course it is time to get into the winner's circle with winning time yes that's for you jack edwards i always like to say winning time In this case, of course, this is when Nathan and I give our race picks uh, for this weekend's races. Now, it is kind of an unusual situation because the truck race at Texas is a standalone race. So that means we will not have live pit pit stops at all. These will be basically, you know, sort of what you'll see next weekend at Bristol where, you know, the pit stops are going to happen, but track position will not change. And then, of course, we've got the Xfinity and Cup races at Richmond, which, of course, Nathan's going to be there for. So uh, I'm sure he's he's super stoked about this. Like I said, he's been he's been sharpening the knives, if you will, to get back to the racetrack. So, as always, I want to let him pick, make his picks. And I'm sure Nathan's thought about his picks so early in this week. So, Nathan, who do you, who do you see winning the Xfinity race at Richmond, the truck race at Texas and, of course, the Cup race at Richmond?
3: yeah so starting off in texas i think i'm going to stick with the hot hand here i'm going to go with zane smith um you know has won two of the first four races here in in 2023 and really picking up where he left off in 2022 i think undoubtedly the best the the best and fastest truck in the field we'll go with zane to win the truck race Um, now heading on over to uh, richmond going up the east coast here I'm gonna go with John Hunter Nevachak, you know, came really close in the Xfinity series race there last year, did kind of a one-off for, for for JGR, got moved in the final corner by Ty Gibbs. Now Ty Gibbs won't be in that race uh this year, but um JGR always seems to have great, great speed at Richmond, whether it's in, in Cup and Xfinity. So we'll go with we'll go with uh John Hunter in, in the Xfinity race. And then the cup race, I mean, these are the hardest picks for the cup race because it feels like I'm, like, the 37 cars this week because of Chandler Smith uh, running an open car. Um, it feels like there's genuinely, like, 30 cars that go out and win the race. Um, so this one's always a tough one. Um, if I want to I, – I don't want to pick Denny Hamlin. Like, I think Denny Hamlin is, like, the easy pick because, you know, the hometown guy uh, He's always been so great at Richmond uh i'll go with christopher bell you know i'll stick with the jgr trend the low in their second race in a row and like i mentioned for you know there's just a couple of tracks that for whatever reason jgr is just so good at um i'll I'll go with uh i'll go with christopher bell but if not him uh, i think kevin harvick as well i think i I know i just kind of gave like three names but uh, i think really all three of those guys are are really good picks for this weekend at, at richmond
2: you pretty much named some of the drivers i've already considered about richmond actually at at this time last week so um as they say great minds think alike and it's it's hard to bet against uh you know zane smith and trucks the trucks competition let's admit this kid's pretty much getting ready to go to the next level whether that's xfinity or cup although in the presser at, at coda zane smith was like don't put me as a cup prospect just yet i'm still trying to make sure i don't get rushed up to the cup series but um I think he's ready, but that's my opinion. Now, let's get here my picks on this. So, again, we'll start, we'll do the way Nathan did it Trucks, Xfinity Cup. No, I'm not agreeing with Nathan just because of the fact I'm agreeing with him, but it's kind of hard to bet against Zane Smith. And we all know that he's pretty much on the same start as he was last year, but at least he wasn't disqualified this time at Las Vegas. So, I think at worst, he'll finish third, but we all know he's capable of winning at that racetrack. So, I'll go with Zane Smith to go and capture the speedycash.com 225 on Saturday. And then for the Xfinity race at Richmond, that one's a pretty tough one because I feel like it could be a battle between the JRM uh, efforts of Justin Allgaier versus Chandler Smith in the Collegue entry. And then of course, Nemechek in the Gibbs entry. Now, Nemechek's probably going to be happy that Gibbs is not in the field, because he won't get bumped out of the way to, uh, for victory, but it doesn't mean that, you know, the rest of his uh, competitors are going to be exercising their courtesy on that. So that's a tough, kerfuffle to think about, like, who do I pick out of those three? I would say just my gut instinct right now that I will go with Chandler Smith. This kid's been knocking on the door for a victory and I'm sure he it's, it's still burning in his head, how he lost in Las Vegas. And if there's a track that we're, he's able to make the most impact and certainly, you know, put a little action into the action track. I'll go with Mr. Smith on that. As far as the cop race is concerned, you know, that's a tough one because this is going to be the first one really with this new package that was tested out at Phoenix and actually was used at Phoenix. But, you know, if I'm going to go off of what we saw at Richmond, I mean uh, Phoenix rather last, uh, last month at this point, Hendrick Motorsports is going to win the race. There's no doubt about that. I don't know if it's going to be Kyle Larson because while he's been able to put together two good stages in a row, it's stage three where he gets basically decimated because of tire management issues. We saw that last summer where he was really competitive in the top five in the summer race, and then he just fell out of the, the top 10 and really couldn't do anything else with his car. So I'm, I'm, you know, Obviously Cliff Daniels is not going to be serving as the crew chief as of now this for Richmond. So it'll be another weekend in which Cliff Daniels is going to succeed that position to Kevin meandering. It will be curious to see if those two, uh, uh, Kyle and and Kevin, of course, figuring out a setup that will help him sustain that speed and also have good tire management and not burn those, burn the rubber up so early, if you will. So I guess Kyle Larson, but if it's not going to be him, and I'm going to pull Mike Joy out of this because I can pick multiple picks. Sorry, Nathan. Uh, if, if not Larson, I'm going to say I'll go with Bowman because he's Mr. Consistency. I mean, he's just been so great. He's gotten top fives, top tens, like a magician getting a rabbit out of their hat. And now, other than the race at uh, Atlanta, Bowman's just so good. He, he figures out a way to be in contention when you count them out. So i look for Greg Ives and Alex Bowman to repeat a little bit of 2021 magic if Larson can't make it happen. But what do you think, folks? Is Nathan right on the money? Or do you think I've got it right? Or do you think we're both wrong and you've got your, your ideas of your own? Let's hear from you. Uh, Nathan's Twitter, of course, is nsolly02. I'm at Rob Tiongson, And the both of us manage at the podium finish. So let us know. We want to hear from you and certainly interact with you because we are certain uh we're the kind of outlet that will make the time for everybody for sure now before we get into the rest of the show i think it's time for us to get in the hot seat And by golly, folks, did you notice at the top of the show, I didn't mention who's on the hot seat? Well, that was kind of by design, because I know last week I did say Kyle Larson would be here. And yes, he will be here for this segment. But it's a twofer. You know that situation, because Nathan and I did a bunch of twofers last year, um, which will typically happen when both of us are at the racetrack. Well, not at the same time as of now. But when we have content that we know we want you fans to hear, and we don't want to like you know, wait forever for that. We'll double stack them up just for you folks. We go the extra mile here on the world's fastest hour of racing talk. So for this edition, I would say it's more like the world's fastest 90 minutes of racing talk, because we're going to hear from a couple of young drivers on in the hot seat. We'll kick things off, of course, with Kyle Larson, like I said. Now, this situation is kind of a unique one, because we were supposed to have a long interview, but it turned out to be a really short one, um, which we understand, you know, we always work with the teams. So we tried to make the most of a a quick five minute interview before uh, Kyle headed off to a competition meeting uh, after qualifying on Saturday afternoon at Coda. So we'll hear from Kyle. And then also we'll hear from Parker Klugerman uh, when I interviewed him last week. So he'll hear some thoughts about Coda, but I think I want to leave those there for you guys and girls to listen to because it's so interesting to hear uh, PK's thoughts about racing at Coda, you know, what's ahead for the big machine racing team and just overall, you know, how has he kept together after some tough breaks he's gone through in his racing career? Now where the Kyle Larson interview is definitely pretty clean and smooth. I will warn fans at home that, you know, there is a bit of language with the the interview with, with PK and I. So if you're not into hearing cursing, I do apologize, but Hey, we're adults on the show and I think we can handle a few Cusses here and there so we're going to leave that on there because the FCC situation we're not over on WSPU 88.3 FM the buzz so we don't have to worry about swearing um but just making it clear folks I don't want you guys to be like oh my god um it's just words so for right now folks sit back relax you're going to hear in the hot seat with Kyle Larson directly from CODA and then right after that it's a bit more of a, a zoom interview with me and pk so enjoy folks welcome back to another edition of the podium finish live here at the racetrack here at coda i'm rob tiongson this fella, you should also know this is kyle larson driver of the number five hendercars.com chevrolet and kyle good to see you again here in austin for the second year in a row and uh unlike last year you're starting a little bit better this year so uh tell me
1: about how the car's running so far um no i mean our car is good just uh was hoping to qualify a little better there. Just um, had some miscommunication or, or lack thereof, I guess, and uh, didn't make it out for the uh, to make a second round, the first round, and, and didn't make it the next round. But hey, you're at
2: least in the top 15, got good pace in the car. So how confident do you feel about getting to the sports front and knowing that you don't have the stage brakes to at least get? Back
1: to the front. Yeah, it, make, it makes it uh, a little tougher, um, just because I mean potentially you have less restarts, less you know, opportunity to uh, get the field bunched up to pass. So um, the cars are all, uh, yeah, everybody's pretty tight on time too. So that makes it a little, a little tougher to pass. So we'll see, but um, you know, we'll try and get get a handful here early in the race and then uh, pick them off on my own. What is it about Coda that makes it such a challenging racetrack? I mean, it's um, from your perspective. How do you attack it? Uh, well, there's so many corners. I think that's what uh, you know makes it makes it tough. Really, I mean, you could be off, you know, half a half second, uh, which looks like a lot, but it's you know, just a little bit here and there, and you're you're right there. So. Um, you know, piecing all that together can get difficult, but uh, it's a flowy track, some heavy braking zones. It's, it's, you know, it's a fun place, It's it's got definitely gotten rougher over the last year or so, um, trying to adapt to that too. For sure, talking about adapting, I mean, you have got an interesting stretch of races for the next month and a half.
2: Started with Atlanta, we're here at koda and then you pretty much go to like a dirt track, super
1: speedway, concrete track. I mean, how excited are you to attack these different kind of tracks? Yeah, no, it'll be fun. I feel like our team is, is uh, very good at all, all the tracks. Um, it is cool that our schedule is so diverse, and, um, and there's probably not a, there's definitely not a more, a more diverse schedule than what we have in the Cup Series. So, um, yeah, it's fun to be part of, and fun to uh, test yourself. Your team's see to be better. I and mean, speaking of your team, I mean, you guys have been coming out like gangbusters. I know,
2: despite what happened, a couple weeks ago, I mean, you guys have been so close to winning your first race of the season. How confident are you about breaking through and earning your first victory in 2023?
1: Yeah, I think we definitely can. I mean, our, our speed has been there in the race cars uh, every week. You know, it, I feel like you know we've, in a way, been in some sort of contention every every race so far. Um, you know, Fontana, on paper, we weren't, but speed-wise, were not but speed wise we were the fastest car. So um, yeah, and then Atlanta, you know, we run up front and the team got flat. Uh, kind of won, you know, uh, Vegas and uh, Phoenix had a shot there late at Daytona so, you know, it's there. It's just been a, uh, been disappointing that we haven't gotten, you know, any wins or, or really any consistently good finishes. But how satisfying will it be when you
2: do break through and you're like, okay, you can read a little bit easier, but we also know you
1: probably need to get two wins to be safe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it be a relief for sure to win on, on many levels, but, um, yeah, just try to do the best job you can each week, and, and not put too much pressure on yourself. I gotta ask you, my friend,
2: you became a father for the third time recently, so congratulations on that. Thanks. How has, how rewarding has fatherhood been for you, and raising your uh,
1: your kids with your wife, Caitlin? Yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun, and, um, you know, the, the third, Cooper, he's been the toughest out of the three so far, so, um you know, frustrating at times, but it is also very satisfying to watch them grow up and um, see our our two other kids, you know, loving on him all the time. And even those two are getting along with each other, it's really satisfying because everybody's happy, but um, no, it's it's fun and just, uh, yeah, you know, it's just cool to see your kids grow up and and find things that they love and, and try and pursue them. I love how close you and, uh, and Owen are. I mean, the little there, he said, "Hey, Dad, if
2: I win, do I get hundred dollars?" like, "Pay hey, the car owner seventy percent." Like, is it fun to kind of tease him and just see him succeed with that motivation?
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's all fun. I like picking on him some too. So uh, teaching him about real life, I guess. A little bit. <laughs> but that um, no, was cool. He got his first win last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was. Now and um will race in coming Tuesday. So. If we think he Will be racing long enough for you and Owen to be teammates in the future? Uh, I don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't show like a super strong interest in the driving part of it currently. But you know, maybe after his first win, it, it'll change some. But um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it, I'm definitely. I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. He's already eight years old. So yeah, I mean, it probably won't be honestly too long until we get to race with each other a little bit. That's fair enough. Let me ask you. I know you have a couple minutes left.
2: If you were a contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? and you needed to have a lifeline that would
1: help you win the million bucks. Which Hendrick driver would you make into your lifeline? Well, I guess it depends on the question. The um, point. So, I don't know, but uh, I would say in general, probably William, because he's the youngest and the freshest out of school, and I think the only one of us to go to college, so <laughs> probably William. And which one would be the worst one to have as your teammate? Not that I'm ragging on them. Uh, again, I don't know. It depends on the uh, question. For sure. Well, everyone, that was Kyle Larson. He's got to get
2: going, and uh, we have a busy race weekend ahead. But, Kyle, thanks so much, my friend. Thanks. Appreciate it. Welcome back to another live edition of the Podium Finish Live. I'm your host, Rob Tiongson. Outside of Austin, Texas, and somewhere in the U.S. is my good friend Parker Kligerman, driver of the number 48 spiked machine big racing big machine racing spiked coolers chevrolet camaro that's a mouthful my friend but it is first of all it is it is a big
0: mouthful but uh how have you been doing man it's been a while uh doing great yeah we uh we're off to a decent start in the uh big machine racing big machine vodka spiked course chevy camaro as you'd like you want to be said perfectly um but yeah no we've we've uh, we've off to a solid start it's not like we've set the world on fire, um, but we also haven't had, you know, we haven't had, um, I mean, it hasn't been perfectly clean, but it had, we've been successful, right? And we've, the building blocks are there. And that's really what was important to me in these first five or so races was to set the tone for our team, for the series to understand, you know, where we stack up. Um, and I think we've shown that I really think, you know, barring a couple little, things happening these first five, you know, we're sitting closer to the top five points than where we are right now. And we're really only, I think it's like seven points out of six or something. So it's really tight. Um, And, you know, there's numerous places in these first five that I think we could have cleaned some things up and, you know, gotten those points that we needed there. And then, of course, the other night in Atlanta, um, you know, it felt like we put everything together, won a stage, which was nice to knock out in the first five races. You know, that's cool. We got a playoff point. That's big. Um, and it would have been cool to lock ourselves in the playoffs with that win there, but I think we'll have plenty more opportunities going forward. So it's, uh, it's funny. Like I last week before, after Phoenix, um, and before Atlanta, I think, uh, you know, my, my crew chief and I sat down and I just said, Hey, look, Patrick, man, we have the speed we're showing up 10th on average on everything you know, even, and that's not far off at all. I'm still learning these cars a little bit, that sort of thing. I just said, look, let's just keep building what we're doing. We are going to win a lot of races. Um, and we almost go and win the next weekend. So I looked like a genius. That was nice, but um, <laughs> <laughs> he agreed. And I, I think you see that from this whole race team right now that we just know we're just scratching the surface of our potential.
2: Absolutely. I mean, Scarper said uh, that whole big machine racing team, they invest a lot to, to not just show up and race, they're there to, to really compete and to win races, and they have found a good, stable driver in you to make their Xfinity program what it is and what we're seeing right now. And you did touch upon Atlanta, which I do want to ask you about right from the start, because, man, like you said, <laughs> you were in position to win that race, and I'm sure it took some time to kind of like decompress, kind of re- remove that from the data banks. but how, how does a driver yep. do that? Because I'm sure at times, like me with my work, I sometimes go, man, if I hadn't made that mistake, I, I would have had a 10 out of 10 a day. Like, what do you do to reset the button on that?
0: You know, it's a good question. Um, it's funny, because I actually felt like Vegas taught me a good lesson. Um, and, you know, I've really worked heavily in the last couple of years, and especially this year, on the mental side of our sport, I just truly believe that when you get in one of these top Cars at the pointy end of the field, whether it's Trucks, Xfinity, or Cup, you know, the difference between you and the where you want to be is you. And that is entirely, this is entirely a mental game. Um, now, you can't drive a slow race car fast, as Kevin Harvick likes to say, but when you get within the same realm, speed-wise with your race cars, then it's down to you as a driver. And a lot of that is what happens between your ears up here. And so... I felt like uh, Vegas, when we got spun out by John Hunter Nemechek, I didn't do a good job personally inside the car of letting go of that moment that I couldn't control and focusing on the tastic hand. And I think when I look back at that race, you know, we if barring a slow pit stop in the last green flag run, we were going to finish somewhere around 8th and ninth. We end up 11th. We recovered great, but I just felt like personally inside, there was a little bit of a lingering not letting go. Um, And so I worked over the next couple of weeks, especially at Phoenix, and having the issue and qualifying and letting go of that and focusing on the backup car and the task at hand. And we were really successful in that race with a backup car. Uh, we almost had a home run and getting a top 10 at the end of the race, which had been, um, you know, amazing. So that taught those two races taught me the lessons that when, what happened at Atlanta, which was so disappointing because, you know, it's, it's one thing. If it's a couple cars getting squirrely and run into each other, it's another thing when it's a champion of a sport who you know i i just don't i still don't understand what the intention was um you know daniel called me and and apologized on sunday but then i was shown some things that make me believe that i don't know how much what he said was very true um and so i just just disappointed and angry you know and it just it's such a stupid move it's uh you know it's a dangerous thing to do and so i just i didn't appreciate that one bit but Part of what I went into all the other stuff was to say, you know, that was letting go is a big part of that and be able to focus forward. And that's what I've done. And that's where I've been focusing fully on Coda this coming week. And that's the best thing. And sometimes the worst thing about NASCAR is that you go week to week to week. So it's really easy to kind of let go of the past because you have to you have to focus on the future. You can't dwell too hard. Um, and so that's what I've been doing.
2: I mean, that's true. That's the unique thing about NASCAR, which I think that's why a lot of people like to be a fan of racing compared to other sports. I mean, you have a lot of everyday Americans, everyday people who work five, you know, five days a week, 40 hours a week. And they can relate to you guys in a way, maybe not going 200 miles an hour or going left and right and trying to what a hook here and there. But I mean, you guys epitomize what the American dream is about trying to work hard, trying to succeed. And when you don't, it's really frustrating. And, uh, you know, I know you mentioned on Saturday and uh, how you wanted to talk to Daniel, and I know he called you. Do you feel like you have to have that conversation maybe at Coda or sometime down the road to maybe just say, "Hey, man to man, let's talk. Let's 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 just kind of air it out right now."
0: You know, uh, I appreciate his call, and I did think that, you know, I I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Even when I saw the replay, I gave the benefit of the doubt, um, but. I know, I, I do not want to talk, and to be honest, I just don't have that sort of move in my arsenal. Um, it's not how I race, not how I think about things in this sport. Um, and so it's you know if that's the level that someone wants to go to to try and win a race, you know, I don't know how long that will last for them. um, and I think I'm not the only one who knows you know what that that bar that line is to cross. Um, and so, no, I I don't feel like I need to talk to him. And, you know, to be honest, I think we can just focus on our races and what we're doing and, and to make sure we're up front. Um, and I think we, we will be up front, um, very often and be in position to win races. And that's my focus.
2: And for sure. And then you have been showcasing that you're capable of competing at a high level at a lot of these racetracks so far. And I think the next month alone is just going to show a lot of the variety of NASCAR tracks that makes this sort of Southern Swing so funny, unique for everybody involved, especially at my back to uh, my um, Backdoor racetrack, Koda. Uh, I mean, you're going to be competing twice this weekend. So let's talk about that before we get back yeah. to the number 48 program. Now, I understand that you're going to be driving the same truck that won the Mid Ohio race. So tell me just how special that truck is to you and how seminal is that truck to you in terms of your breakthrough moment? Because you had been working for NBC NASCAR and doing a good job with that. But I know deep down you wanted to be back in the race, race seat.
0: Yeah, no, it was huge. Um, and that truck, been with us for years uh it was an old um it was the backup truck for cole custer when he was at junior motorsports in the truck series to give you an idea of how old it is so (laughs) it's been around a while it's uh but it's you know it might even be a turner truck for all i know that we had a couple of those but it's uh it's something that chris carrier myself and the henderson race team tweaked on and tweaked on and you know we went to daytona road course with it during COVID. it was super fast um, and that was a day that's one of those days that got away from us um, that I really felt that was a day where we, we could have challenged for a win if we just were a little cleaner. Um, and from that moment, you know, we just every road course race tweaked on it here and there. Um, you know, it might actually be the same truck we ran all the way back at Mosport in 2017. I'm coming to think of it. So oh, it, we've goodness. had it for a while. Anyway, it's something we've tweaked on. We've worked on it. We've just refined the package in it. And Last year, we really started to show that, right? We, and even the year before, when we finished the top five at Watkins Glen, we were super fast. Uh, Coda that year, we were quick, um, in the rain and got spun out late in the race, going for you know, would have been a top five or top three finish, I think. So it's always had speed. And what Mid Ohio was just where we fully refined everything. And you know, having the road courses ahead of Mid Ohio last year really helped because Coda, we were running second when we ran out of fuel and got spun on the last lap. Um, and then at Sonoma, we we actually went away with the setup that proved to not be right. We still finished seventh, but I think we could have been better. Um, and then we took some of those learnings from both, applied it to Mid-Ohio, went out and won. So in terms of like that truck and its setup and everything, just know it's very similar. <laughs> it's because it's, it's been a building process over a couple of years. But that's really when you in road course racing for stock cars, you know, except for the Cup Series is different now. But in years prior, you know, and you look at why AJ Almdinger has had such success, you know, I would venture to say that the setup of that race car over the last four or five years has very seldom been, you know, very far apart from whatever they've, you know, won with. Right. And depending even, you know, tweaks for different tracks, but really the setup is not as big as us, the driver at those tracks. So it's about just refining and and sort of tweaking on things and when you find something it, it's really just about making sure you stay within that box and tweak on it dependent on each track um and so i think that's sort of hopefully where we'll be with the 75 going to coda it's double header again as you mentioned so last year i did five and a half hours in the cars between the two uh expanding truck on saturday and that the, obviously the day before is practice qualifying practice qualifying so it's a lot. Um, but I loved it last year. I thought it was such an adventure. And so I'm really pumped to go do it again. And I think it will just make me better in the Xfinity car.
2: I think so too. And I know that you feel like this is probably a, a date you've circled on the calendar. But I know you, you road course specialists, like you don't want to to be delineated as a road course specialist. You want to be known as the complete racer. But deep down, I am sure that when you looked at the schedule this year, you're like, towards the end of March, man, we're going to head to the deep, deep in the heart of Texas and we've got to shout at this thing. We might take home two trophies as far as I'm concerned. Uh,
0: I've let the thought and, you know, enter my brain, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I'll have a couple chances this year to do the double on the same day because I think, I, I don't know. I don't remember exactly how many, but I'm, there's a bunch of races. I'm doing trucks and Xfinity on the same day. Uh, so that's, That's going to be one of it was like one of my small goals this year I I obviously want to win multiple races in the Xfinity series I want to win multiple races in trucks that's a goal for us in the 75 also to win Bristol either dirt or concrete in the 75 and then one of the last ones I saw was like hey wouldn't it be cool if you could win two races on the same day so maybe we'll just get it all done right here at Coda this weekend that would be wonderful. Um, and I really, really think we have that opportunity. There's a lot of heavy hitters in both races, which is awesome. Love that, uh, make it all the sweet, more sweet. If we can go out there and, you know, get the checkered flag, but if not, you know, putting that aside, I think we can have very solid days and especially on the Xfinity side with, you know, the championship at stake, um, you know, just the points and that sort of thing. I think we can just go out there and have a really, really positive day for the 48 team and put us in just an awesome position heading to Richmond.
2: I'm really looking forward to the Xfinity race for sure, just because it's a really stacked field, like you mentioned. And uh, as we've seen in the past, it's really unpredictable too. And no matter who the star power is, there's always something that's captivating at that three and a half mile road course track um, just outside of Austin. And I know that your trademark thing when you win a race is to plant the flag. Well, I'm just kind of wondering, not that I'm trying to give you the the premonition Mm -hmm. of such, where exactly are you going to plant that flag at COTA? Because there's really... Very few grass area, grassy
0: areas, you know. I think you could do it up in turn one, right? Where the crowd is that. up there and uh, maybe in the ground, <laughs> sort of leave it there for a little while and come. Hopefully, someone <laughs> will bring it back to me. Um, but yeah, you know, it'd be a great, Rob, that'd be a great problem to have. And I look forward to that, 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 that issue of having to figure out exactly where I want to put that flag. That'd be wonderful.
2: I like that. Um, see, I gave you a good problem to think about. So uh, if it does happen, uh, just give a little shout out to me. Definitely, definitely. Gotcha. <laughs> now, for someone like me, I am never going to have the audacity to drive a stall car. And I've never asked you this question in the years I've known you. But at least for Coda, just describe to me the experience of that in relation to driving a street car. Like, how can someone like me understand exactly what you go through when you race at that track?
0: So it's a, that's a great question um and i think i can talk for about 10 minutes about this but <laughs> i'll try to keep it more succinct so driving a stock car you know a typical stock car which is the Xfinity car or the uh craftsman truck you know the new next gen cars sort of don't let it in the frame of this conversation for now because it's it's obviously a departure from what we've known as a stock car for many years i always like to say they're they're them on road courses is like a water buffalo in a china shop because it's A very heavy, very – I guess the best way to put it is is it's a car and a vehicle that doesn't want to do what you're asking it to do. And so it's not designed to do this, right? It's not designed to go around a 3.5-mile Formula 1 circuit, nor is really some road cars, right? So that's really the essence of stock car racing is that these are cars that are purposely not the best driving car you'll ever drive. But because they're supposed to relate to the road, it's supposed to be, you know, normal cars doing amazing things, right? Or normal drive normal people doing amazing things as drivers. That's the concept of NASCAR, which makes it a lot of fun. So driving a stock car like the Xfinity car around Coda, one, it's got, you know, just around 670 horsepower or so, which does not get through the rear tires perfectly at all ever so you're always dealing with a bit of wheel spin that's always a hard thing is putting the power down it's a very heavy car right 3400 pounds give or take um you know with drivers and and driver weight and sort of uh, fuel and all that stuff but give or take 3400 pounds which is a heavy race car it has a 13 inch wheel which means the brakes aren't as big as you could possibly have on some road cars which we see on the next gen car and so all those things combined make it that it goes very fast but it goes very fast in a straight line it then has to break for a very long time and then it has to get very slow for all the corners right and so it's just a very um, it's a very i want to say like unrefined experience but when you're doing it right and i you know can tell you that there's few things as rewarding As putting together a really fast lap around a road course in a stock car because you will have times where you're on the brake so long and for such a long period of time that you feel like you could count or have a conversation as you're holding the brake at its max capacity down into a corner downshifting you'll have times where you're hopping a curb and two tires are in the air you're spinning the wheels off the off the X of a corner and you think that is the sloppiest worst lap that's ever been driven in a race car. And they're like, Hey, that's P one by a half a second. You're like, Oh, okay. never mind." (laughs) Right. That's the experience, you know, to, to, I guess for road car, you can have a lot of that, but a better example would be like on the flip side is a formula one car or an Indy car, right? A purposely purpose-built fastest thing they can create where the driver is always almost behind the race car. The race car is more capable than the driver at times. Uh, especially if you're just getting that level. And so those cars are a refined experience, an experience of finding, you know, those last little extra tense, going into a corner a little deeper, rolling a little bit more speed, that sort of thing. But it's in a it's an entirely different experience because it's a very high frequency, you know, experience in terms of the car. You're trying to make the car do things it actually is designed to do. Whereas we're trying to take something that isn't designed to do that and make it do it and so it's a far it's a more of a wrestle match um between us and the car and it's just i love it because of all those reasons like the driver can make a huge huge difference um in a stock car road course and there's i know it said it's it's one of the most rewarding experiences but it's also sometimes just the most fun when you you're flying around track and hitting curbs and braking forever and spinning the tires off the corner and you just think like, this is ridiculous, but it's awesome.
2: <laughs> oh, goodness. You, now you've made me realize that's why you guys have to be such physically fit drivers. You can't just be like, a, hey, you're Larry down the street who's mowing my lawn. Like, you could drive this thing. No, you that's really physically demanding. <laughs> so I am never going to complain about driving my SUV anymore um, until <laughs> I, I have to get new tires. So I'll put it that way to you. Man, I I can definitely understand that even more so. So I appreciate that. I know the fans at home are going to be like, Oh boy, I'm never going <laughs> to complain about my everyday ride. You know, <laughs> you
0: kind of, yeah,
2: you kind of got me thinking though with NASCAR, and that's probably what's made it so popular here in America compared to F1. Although F1 of course has made some gains in recent years with the, the documentary on Netflix. But, you know, when you think about how it's an unrefined vehicle for drivers who are trying to harness it, like, you pretty much like drivers like you always say, we want the cars to be more difficult, more power. And some fans are like, well, I want to see side by side racing. And I may have asked you this in the past, but like, how tricky is that balance between finding the speed, but also endangering the closest on the track versus having the closest on the track?
0: And people and drivers like you are saying, well, this is like slot car racing. <laughs> you know, I think the product in NASCAR in terms of the races is almost we've we've talked about it too much to this point where it's it's ad nauseum. And mm-hmm. I think no matter what NASCAR race you take up against other forms of racing in the world, it's going to rate higher in terms of passes, in terms of competition, parity, closest of the field, all those things. It's going to be one of the highest ranking forms of motorsports in the world. And far outranking, and not to put them down. I'm a huge fan of Formula One. I've always been. It's what got me into racing. It was my first love in racing. But you know, that racing product is not really what they sell in Formula One. They sell the idea behind it all, the technology, the experience, the you know, events that's so on and so forth, the reality show-esque background drama. The races are almost the last secondary part. And I think in NASCAR, we we the product is speaks for itself you know it truly does and so i i really think at this point in terms of packages and horsepower and all that stuff like i i just don't even i really don't pay attention much more i think it's all very cool it's a stock car it's heavy it's got power um they're hard to drive now the especially the short tracks and the next gen car and what you'll see probably at the road courses the xfinity series is some of the best most fun to drive cars in all of the planet right now um yeah, you know, I I just think all that is fine right now. It's it's not the pro, you know, it's not an issue. Um for you know, for NASCAR, I, I really think the the gap to you know what's happening out there is is all the other stuff, right? The the product is fine. Um it's making the rest of the product being the event experience and the you know. Understanding the stories behind the pe- personalities in the sport and that sort of thing, that's where the job, you know, that's where the work has to be done. Um, but I, I think when you look at the core product of the racing, to me, it's it's been fine, even through all the different you know fi- the all the different packages and everything it's low down force, high down force, more power, low power. like of course, as a driver, I want a thousand horsepower, no down force. But, you know, if that's not reality, in this day and age, I still think the cars are cool. The, they sound cool. They're fun to, you know, they are hard to drive, no matter what you drive in this level, if you're trying to win races, it's going to be hard. Um, And, you know, if it was easy, I think a lot of us would probably just go win races easier (laughs) sort of thing. Um, So it's hard, right. And it's always, it's going to be hard. So I, I just think what, what's happened in Formula One has proven that the product, of, on the racetrack is you know probably not nascar's issue um and i say issue i mean probably probably not the area that needs the most tweaking whereas the opportunity lies in everything else
2: i think you nailed exactly what's going on for sure and i've been saying that for recent times that you know we've got the characters we've got the package it's just now about promoting you guys out there and the girls too who race because we do that now, you're going to bring more eyes the races on tv like reading our articles i hope and videos because like um you're an interesting character on your own and a lot of your peers are too that's what that's why i'm still here that's why you got (laughs) pockers you got dustin long and the rest of us who are just so captivated by what you guys and girls do out there in the racetrack so and your story alone i mean man you are the probably aside from aj elmendinger probably the poster boy of perseverance because you know, like you have worked super hard to keep your team out there. You've done the pit reporting thing, which I'm not sure if you're doing that again this year now that you're doing Xfinity, but um, you know, I'm I've always admired how you have kept after it, kept after it. And uh last year you finally got your break to drive the car that's behind me right now. Yeah, thank so you. I mean it looks really nice. Yeah, I think see, we got this one last weekend during the good times, um, Love which it. there'll be more of those. <laughs> um You know, you talk about how Xfinity Racing is one of the best things in the world, but describe to me just how close the competition, that margin for error is once you enter the top 10.
0: It's really amazing. You know, there's probably about 14 cars in the Xfinity Series, maybe maybe a little more, that are pretty much at the same level equipment-wise, funding-wise, that sort of thing. And so, you know, that in itself lends you to be in a very close competition with those zigzag cars week in and week out. But the other part that's fascinating to me, and I never got in, I, I shouldn't say this. I probably have a little bit, but I don't know if I truly realize it until I started racing this series full time again, which is of those top 12 or so drivers in the Xfinity series. One thing that stuck out to me just in the first couple of weeks of racing is how hard we all race each other. And it is not, like hard racing for the sake of hard racing it's hard racing for the sake of like i must beat you <laughs> it's the is the is the feeling and the thought process and sort of the vibe i get and what's fascinating to me i it just hit me one day and i said you know what it is of those 12 drivers at the top of this field every single one of them thinks the day they grip they get that checkered flag on saturday the call the next morning is going to be Rick Hendrick or <laughs> Joe Gibbs saying, hey, you're coming to the big time. Welcome to Cup, right? Like that is the essence of this series if you really think about it. So, it, you know, you have a veteran like Justin Allgaier to a rookie or young driver like Sammy Smith to guys like me who you know, are reestablishing a career and that sort of thing. A Josh Berry, who's the same age as me, who's, you know, sort of in a similar spot maybe getting a big break. And you realize, like personally, I've tried to put all that aside. Where this year I've been solely in, focused on this Xfinity car and winning races and winning that truck. And that's it. Like, whatever happens past this, I don't even want it to enter my mind. My focus is on winning races right now and competing for a championship. But I noticed that, you know, just you, you get this vibe, this sense that these 10 or so, 12 drivers all believe, that you know, the success in this. The next day means they're going to the cup series. They're going to the big time. And you, it makes sense. This is the, this the only thing above here is that right. And so you, they say names are made here and that sort of thing, but it's truly the vibe in this series. I can't stress enough that you have a set of drivers who absolutely believe they are one great move, one win, one, you know, a great season away from being in that series. And that's the top. That's where we all want to be. Um, and so that's just a really cool thing. And I i don't know if that always gets stressed enough. I think, you know, people NASCAR is so cool because you have guys who have made careers in the lower series as opposed to other forms of racing, that doesn't really happen. Um, but this is a bit of a ladder system, and when you get to this spot and you're in these top 10 spots in Xfinity, that it, it's it's the you know, it's a dog eat dog cutthroat world because each one thinks they're vying for one of those seats over there. And so it's just a really fascinating dynamic. Um, and I, I actually, I love it. I think it's cool as hell. <laughs> I'm like That's awesome. I've been really into this full swing documentary on Netflix of the golf deal. Um, it's like kind of their drive to survive. And I think it's fascinating because I think golfers are so closely aligned to race car drivers in terms of mentally what it takes to be successful. And, and they're very closely aligned to us because you know, their performance is really reliant on themselves. Um, but they talk about you know getting their PGA Tour card and in doing the series below that, which is like the Corn Ferry Tour, which is their Xfinity series, and it, it's it's just a very similar vibe in that you know that the top guys there are all just looking at the next spot, the the top. And um, I don't know, I think it's awesome. So yes, yeah, that if you want to know why the Xfinity series is so intense, the cars are fun to drive, they're really cool, and the competition is as cutthroat as it comes.
2: Oh man, sounds like a a good old soap opera, but motorsports style. So, <laughs> I guess for the older folks at home, and this is gonna show my age, uh, PK. If you fans love Dallas, then watch the Saturday racing on Xfinity. Uh, at least no one's no one's uh, Bobby or JR Ewing. I don't think so. I might have talked about. I don't, I don't know though. any of this.
0: I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about.
2: Nope. You're gonna you're gonna probably want to watch it on. Um, on uh, amazon prime after this so don't blame me if you become a fan (laughs) now i got a couple more questions before you hit up dallas and get back to your day yeah yeah Uh, thank you you got it my friend uh what flavor of big machine spiked vodka do you think best epitomizes you personality wise and and your approach as a driver
0: (laughs) that's awesome um i love so cranberry which is the color that's on our car. Some people like to call it pink, but you cannot call it pink. It's cranberry. Uh, okay. I loved a cranberry uh spiked core. So to me, that's just a a go-to flavor in any sort of product. I just think it's a very refreshing flavor. Um, And in a spiked core, it's very refreshing. And hopefully I'm refreshing in that, you know, I like to be dip myself and be, you know, just – be true and authentic to who I am and who, and you know, my life and what makes me, you know, light up. And so to me, Cranberry is true and authentic and it's also the color of our car. So I love that one.
2: There you go. You guys got a PR advocate for that flavor right there. And uh, maybe you'll get some chug points for that on Saturday. Like those Coke drivers often
0: do. Love that. Yes, we got we couldn't do it after the truck race, but we'll do it after the Xfinity race. So
2: I was gonna <laughs> say, if you do it after the, the truck race, you've got some problems, my friend. Now, <laughs> for my last question, I, I wish I made that my last question because this one's gonna be maybe a little sentimental for me to ask. But you know, again, you're the the epitome of perseverance. So let me ask you this: What advice would you give 2013 version of yourself about your life experiences in motorsports and just
0: everything you've gone through, like, what would you tell yourself from 2013? Ooh. Um, that's a great question. Huh? You know, I've always thought about those guys who like write letters to their form, you know, their younger selves and such. And I always think that's so fascinating. I think it's a good form of journaling and, and that sort of thing. And I've done some of that stuff. Um, and I've, I've always, I've tried to journal and that sort of thing. And I think it'd be so cool to do that, but I just, I don't know if I always stick with it, but if I had to tell 2013 me something, uh, one would be to relax. Um, that would be a really key <laughs> part, to relax and you know sort of lean into the idea that I always used to, to say that everything works out. It always has, always will. Um, but I, I really think I could have used a little bit of that back then. And uh, I don't know how to, to I guess, discipline would have been another thing would have been, you know, Hey, find a way to be, to get a little bit more discipline in your life. Um, and I think those two things could have made me more successful at that time. Um, and then lastly, I think just have more fun. You know, I, I, when I look back at those days um, you know, there was, there was a lot of pressure of course, because you, you were moving up through the ladder the pressure to live up to, you know, a nine win ARCA season two, three years earlier, Um, you know, having made some, not having the best breaks in terms of competitive equipment and that sort of thing, but surviving and moving forward. And I, I really think if uh, I'm trying to think of how to say this the right way, (laughs) I lost my train of thought. Anyway, I really think if, um, you know, if I, just had a little more discipline, relaxed and had more fun um, or it, it enjoyed. You know, I say fun. I think I had fun. But the, I think one thing I saw, I saw Corley Joy say the other day that, you know, the media stuff and everything else is work. But trying to treat the driving like a hobby. Um, and I really think when I look back at that time, I was mixing up the idea that like driving was work and fun was outside the car. Really, the fun is driving the car, right? That's the fun. Like we get to drive damn race cars for a living. People pay me. Literally, I get paid to go drive in circles and try to go faster than other people. Like that is badass. Like I don't know how you ever lose sight of how fun that is and how cool that is. Um, and I, I, if I said to, if I had to say something to twenty thirteen me, it would be that that's the fun, and that's the cool thing, um, and you know everything else is work. So that would be my bits of advice.
2: That's really good sound advice right there. And you, I think you kind of made me think that we all perpetually just want to have that fountain of youth uh, as we get older. <laughs> and I think that's what it is. You just you nailed it. Your day job is just to drive a stock car on the racetrack. Um, it's not that simple, but that's basically the rudimentary perspective of I don't it. So. Like,
0: well, I don't even like using jobs. Because I, so it's, the reason I bring up that quote from Corey was that I just saw that and laughed because that's something I've really leaned into the last two or three years, which I I tell that story about, you know, the end of 2019 into 2020, I was pretty sure my driving days were done. And then I got asked to come back with the 75 at that Pocono. And so I was on the grid and I just turned, you know, just made a pact to myself to, to realize this could all disappear, to have fun with it, enjoy it. And I even had that, you know, that funny quote where I was like, I love this shit. Like, this is awesome. (laughs) Um, And so that's something I've leaned into really, really hard. And I just find when I'm not getting the best performance out of myself, it's because I forget how cool it is, how fun it is, how awesome it is to be a professional race car driver um, at a high level as the NASCAR Xfinity Series and Truck Series. Um, And, yeah, you you just you can't lose sight of that because – you know, I don't even want to use that word job because it's not a job. It's cool as hell. Like I, I, you know, I'm in simulators all the time, and I'm in these meetings, and I'm doing these notes, and and it seems like a seven day a week thing. And someone recently said to me, like, "Wow, like you must, your job is so busy," and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, time out. That's all fun." I was like, "This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this is the coolest shit ever." So I was like, "Work? No, work's doing taxes that I got to do this week. That works doing the financial stuff and everything else. Like that's work." This is uh, this is badass and it's fun and somehow I am in the lucky enough position to be paid to do it.
2: And you've deserved that. Op- you deserve it. Um, you should be there. I've been saying that since we've met each other back in 2013. I'll say it to you today. You know, you're definitely one of those drivers who, if fans don't know who to root for, I would want to think that they would look up to you as that person that they could go and and support in the grandstands or watch from home or social media. So. You, my friend, you are living, how about this? You're living the dream.
0: Hey, there we go. I love that. Yeah, and I should say, don't think I don't take it seriously because I take this very, you know, I I, I put a tremendous amount of effort right now into this and I want to win so damn bad. Like you'd have no idea the level of, of desire and burning fire inside of me to go win races right now. And to be as close as we were, Atlanta just makes that burn. I don't even know if it's possible to burn, Hotter or you know heavier, but uh it just it almost whetted the appetite a little bit more to be like, we are going to go win some races, we're going to make it happen. Um, and so i but we're going to have fun doing it. I think you can do both.
2: And when that happens, you can bet that the podium finish is going to document all of those moments. So hey. we hope to we hope to see that. So PK, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me today. Wish we got to do it at coda I know we're we're both busy dudes this week, but. Uh, I'm sure we'll bump into each other at the racetrack at least on Saturday for sure.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks everyone at podium finish and look forward to seeing everyone at Coda.
2: What did you think folks? Did you enjoy that? I know I did. Kyle and and PK, thank you both so much for taking the time last week to chat with me uh, for this segment in the hot seat. And it's always a pleasure to get you both on here and hope to have you both back on preferably in person, because it's a lot of fun to do these, these segments when we're, face-to-face versus on a remote situation, as we've done so many years during this COVID life that we've been in, although life is getting better for sure. Uh, now, Nathan and I are going to have a lot to get to you on this segment, so don't, don't be uh, totally surprised if we double stack these up in the next coming weeks, because I, I just learned, of course, that Nathan has been approved for the race at Dover, so once he's done with Richmond, he gets to go back to the racetrack really quickly uh so i'm sure you'll have a lot of great interviews coming here as well so we'll make sure both of us and the rest of the team get to have you know these these great interviews that we want you fans to hear and and check out on our youtube channels so we really appreciate the support and love doing this for you fans we want to bring their action closer to you folks so that's why we do what we do on a weekly basis and before we wrap things up, of course, I like to do a little bit of closing thoughts, but I'll, I'll see that for now because, uh, well, I'll, I'll chime in, but I want uh, Nathan to give his thoughts about what to expect at the action track at Richmond, because I know he has been ready for this since the checkered flag uh, flew at Watkins Glen.
3: Yeah, for sure. Definitely excited to get back to the track this weekend. Uh, a little bit of a triple header, a little bit of untraditional. We got a uh, the Modifieds Friday night, they're always fun to watch so that should be uh, entertaining. We got Bobby Labonte in there. We've got Ryan Newman in there. So a couple of household uh, NASCAR names from, I guess, like the mid, mid-2000s. mid Well, Ryan Newman's pretty recent, too. But uh, I guess they're back in, in their prime in, in the early uh, to mid-2000s decade. Um, they should be entertaining. We'll have a busy day Saturday with both the Cup and Xfinity practice qualifying. Cup rate, or excuse me, Xfinity race Saturday afternoon. Um, I know there's a little bit of rain in the forecast that might throw off the uh, um, Some things, hopefully not too much, but I know the Cup Series will have the wet weather package, so we might see it, see the wet weather package debut on an oval this weekend, which I kind of hope that doesn't happen, but uh, it'd be entertaining to say the least. Um, and, you know, the Dash for Cash is starting up for Xfinity Series. Uh, that, that's always a fun watch, fun to cover um an extra incentive to race for than you know on the cup side just learning that new package um the second time that the short track package is being used on a short track the third overall including uh, coda last weekend but um you know i know phoenix is just a tough place to pass to start with uh at, at coda we saw i think a lot more passing than we did last year so I'm, I'm hoping we'll see the same uh at, at richmond on sunday
2: I suspect we will because we know that the cup series NASCAR series has been working super hard to make the on-track product a lot better. And if the road course at Coda was entertaining and we didn't need like contact to make it entertaining, I, I have a lot of faith that the the short track races will be a little bit better this season. And if Richmond's a good race with the next gen car, man, we're going to have a really bopping season because we know this thing can race in intermediate racetracks. Well, I mean, pure intermediate racetracks like Las Vegas, Fontana, et cetera. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what the next gen car can do at Richmond. Now, it may not be indicative because the forecast as of right now doesn't look that hot, um, literally speaking, uh, in terms of the conditions that you'll see on Sunday afternoon. But, you know, that's why these are professionals. And I'm sure the crew chiefs, the mechanics and the drivers will work in concert to make sure that you know they're ready to take on the wet weather package, um, which that will be interesting for our photographers. And I hope they have their ponchos ready because, oh man, we're throwing them into the wolves, aren't we? Um, but they'll be fine. I'm confident in that. But as far as Sunday's race is concerned, I'm looking forward to seeing. You know, does Hendrick still have that advantage that we saw early on? You know, what's going to happen with the the penalty appeals that are set for Wednesday afternoon? Are they going to win this? Is This going to be a situation where the penalty may get worse or they'll give a bit back to the team to kind of, you know, be like, all right, we did our, we heard you, you know, we still have to penalize you, but we're going to, you know, cut you a little slack on this case. I don't know. I am. I, that's a little bit above, uh, a little bit above my pay grade to say the least, but for now, I think it's going to be a fantastic race weekend. And let's not forget the truck series at Texas. That's always a treat. I do kind of wish, though, that the truck series had uh, another NASCAR series to accompany them, but uh, it is what it is. And the price for it, you know, having North Wilkesboro come back, I think will soften the the blow that we, you know, folks here in Texas are going to deal with, with having uh, one last cup in Xfinity Gray State here in the Lone Star State. I know a lot of folks are like, but me, I'm like, I'll I'll give a diplomatic nod, but that's all, all I can do. But Nathan's going to get hard at work here real soon here to go to Richmond and get you the stories you folks deserve to hear. And we'll be working just as hard to make sure he gets all that content. So I am super stoked for him, super stoked for our teams. And really, I'm just so happy that we got to have Kyle Larson and Parker Clergyman on the show today. So I think with that, folks, it is time to go ahead and wrap up this edition of TPF Live episode number 63, which is crazy for me to still say out loud, but you know, let's get to it folks. Let's get ready for episode 64. So for Nathan Solomon, Kyle Larson, and Parker Kligerman, I am Rob Tiongson. saying thank you so much for joining us for the world's fastest hour or 90 minutes for this edition of TPF Live. For more editions of our show, you can catch those on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, or whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to. As far as next week's concerned, I hope you tune in because we're going to have Jeff Gordon. Going to be awesome. So with that, as I like to say, let's all go ahead and get that checkered flag. And until next time, so long, everyone.